0: Well, good morning. It's good to be together this morning. Amen. Uh, one of the churches I was at uh, we're in this series. Phil has been leading us in the series on uh, Joshua and the walls of Jericho that fell down. And there's walls in each of our lives, and uh, one of the churches I was at, there was a bit of a cantankerous, sound person. He was a bit of a, a difficult person to love. And his sound booth was right at the side of the church, and there was a window above where he worked. And so what he did is he, he had this piece of plywood that he fit into the window. And this particular Sunday, we were singing this song, Let the Walls Fall Down. <laughs> I don't have to tell the rest of the story. You know what happened? That right in the middle of the service, as we're singing, this thing fell on his head, and I, I was thinking about that this morning and say, you know, isn't that what we're about as a church? Lord, let the walls fall down in our lives, amen? Let the light of God shine in us, illuminate us, enlighten us in the Word of God so that we can continue to live in victory. We've been singing some powerful songs this morning. Those have been declarations into our lives. They've been declarations into the spiritual realm for the victory that we have in the conference that we have walking with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? This morning, I want to speak about how God's promises break down the walls of fear and discouragement. Over the years, I've had a chance to speak with people uh, in hospital and at the bedside. And this one particular lady a while back that I, I remember speaking with, she was bedridden. She couldn't get out of bed on her own. And as I came to talk with her, one of the first things she said, Doug, I don't want to grow lukewarm in my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here she had been sitting in her her bed and all she could do is think and pray and uh, basically immobilized so as as we were talking and praying and reading some scripture together I as I was going to pray and then all of a sudden she covered her face and she just started sobbing and she said Doug I am so afraid that if I forget how to say the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to lose my salvation. And here this dear saint had been sitting in her bed just thinking, and she was overcome by fear. What do you say to a person in that situation? I'll tell you what I did. I went to the promises of God. And what does he say? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And we prayed together. I want to say thank you to about 20 of you who forgot your glasses here because there's other people that use these. And last night, I forgot to bring my readers from home. And I'm looking. There's a basket here somewhere with 20 of these glasses. So I, they, they weren't quite my style, but they worked. So today I brought my own. Um, I wonder how many of us are sometimes timid and maybe sometimes terrified. I think there's a bit of a spectrum, isn't there? We can become anxious. We can become afraid. There's things that go on in our lives. There's thoughts that we have. There's situations that arise. And... We can be on this spectrum somewhere between timid and absolutely terrified of what's going on in our lives. What about the times the Lord asks us to do something and go out on a limb for him, to step out in faith and obedience? I wonder how many of us just wonder for a little bit, how am I going to get through what I am facing today and for this week? whether it's health issues, finances, family crisis, stuff going on that you haven't mentioned to anybody that's just there. And then I wonder what our natural response is when we get discouraged. If we're honest, many of us are struggling and have struggled through the years with being bold, with being strong, with being courageous, and claiming God's promises to lives. And so this morning, I want us to take the time to meditate, to focus to clarify our thoughts as it comes to this, this wall of fear and discouragement. Now, this is so cool. Um, I grew up in a bit of a tradition where we did responsive reading. So I'm going to ask, I'll read the bold, you respond in the italics, and we'll read our passage of Scripture this morning together. Amen? Amen. Then Moses went out and spoke these words to all Israel. The Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua also will cross over ahead of you, as the Lord said. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Do not be discouraged. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Amen. So as we look at this, we, we need to start... This is a command that God is actually giving to Joshua. When we, when we look at this same verse in, as we approach the book of Joshua, which we've been studying, um, it becomes a command. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? This is now, when we look at the book of Joshua, this is now the third time that Joshua is being confronted with these very words, be strong and be courageous. And it, it, it comes in the form of a command. And we know that Joshua knows what a command is because Joshua was the young man that went with Moses on the mountain and saw when the Lord gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, right? Joshua was the young aide to Moses. When, when the Lord told Moses to strike the rock, water came out for the people. The command that God gave Moses later, was to speak to the rock. And Joshua saw that Moses actually hit the rock. And so Joshua sees what happens when you obey the command of the Lord, and he also saw the consequences for Moses of disobeying or not following the Lord's command completely. This word command, have I not commanded you, it's the same word that's used in Psalm 33 when it says, the Lord commanded and the earth was formed. It is the same word that is used between a king and his subjects, between a loving father and his son to command. Now, as we enter the book of Joshua, Joshua is grieving the loss of his mentor. He was immediately thrown into a position of leadership, and he was to guide this nation of Israel into the promised land, to claim their inheritance, to go into battle, and do what the Lord commanded him to do. Do you think that Moses might have just been a little bit afraid? I think I, I, it wasn't timidity. I think many times the Lord had to speak to him: "Do not, do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. Be strong and courageous." And I wonder, did Joshua th- thanks Moses? Why didn't you have to call me in front of the whole nation of Israel and in front of them command me, be strong? Be Why couldn't you have just done this in the tent? People might not have heard you say that to me, but now in front of all these people, you have commanded me to be strong and courageous, to lead the people and to step out in faith and trust the Lord. It's interesting when we look at what what the command really is. To be strong is to be strong in the arm. it, It talks about physical strength. And then to be courageous is talking about the mental capacity. So we've got intestinal fortitude and mental fortitude that the Lord calls him to. He says... Be physically present, be strong. You're going to be involved physically, but you're also going to be involved emotionally and mentally. Have I not commanded you? I had a saying with one of the guys that I worked with in ministry, and when things were going tough or there was potential for something to go a little bit sideways, he'd say, Doug, suck up your guts and keep going. (laughs) And so it's kind of like, and I think maybe that's kind of what Joshua's being told, right? Like, there's no option. What Joshua had a command from the Lord. It wasn't a good suggestion that God was giving him. God wasn't kind of wishy-washy saying, well, you know, probably it might be good if you did this. He had a command from the Lord. He had... He had a, Joshua had a calling on his life, he had the commission, and now he had a command. That could be a sermon right there, I think. The absolute beauty about it, for you and for me, is that when God gives a command, you know what he does? He makes it possible for it to happen for us. So when he says, be bold and strong and courageous, he is going to empower us to be able to do the very thing that he asks us to do. That is so comforting, isn't it? The command came with a promise due to Deuteronomy 31.8, and we read it. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. <laughs> what does it mean when the Lord goes before? He kind of prepares the way, doesn't he? He not only prepares the way, but he also knows... This is what's going to happen the lord goes before and then you know what he does he comes and however he steps in and out of time i don't know but then he walks with us i have given you the command be strong be courageous i go before you and i am with you isn't that amazing Joshua had a wall of fear and probably sometimes terror, and I would imagine at times discouragement and disappointment. He had questions, there was anxiety in his life, but he knew that God was going before and he was with, and God will never leave or forsake. You know, it's interesting to follow this this passage of Scripture to be strong and courageous, as it comes throughout the scripture, because we read as Moses talked to Joshua, he also talked to Israel. Joshua, later in the book of Joshua, we see that he is standing um, at a battle, and he's got five Amalekite kings that he's captured, and he's got his foot on the throat of one of the kings, and he's talking to his military leaders. You know what words he says? Be strong and courageous, boys. These are the same words that are used later on when Solomon becomes king and he is commanded to be strong and courageous. And then as we follow the history of the kings, Hezekiah summoned his military leaders reflecting back onto the goodness of God back to Joshua's day. And he says to his military leaders as they're facing something in life, be strong and courageous. And you know what? Maybe that's just for you and me too. Throughout the years, God, God gives us a command to step out to be strong and courageous. When there's fear, when there's when there's anxiety in life, when there's a calling upon us to do something that God is saying, you got to move this way. Be strong and courageous. Over the years, God showed His track record, and, and um, He's called people to faith. He's called people to trust in God. He's called people to leadership. He's called people to sacrifice. He's called people to stand strong in the midst of trials, in the midst of overwhelming odds, and he does this by giving the promise of his presence to be with us. So, what's your trigger? What's your fear? I would say we, you, and I need to name our them. Name our them. Deuteronomy 31 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified because of them. For the Lord goes before you. What is your them? For the Israelites, it was going into battle. For Joshua, it was leading the people. It was the uncertainty, the unknown of what was ahead, and yet the call and the promise. In my line of work, uh, I'm involved. I... I work full-time for, as a abatement contractor, and what we do is we go and get rid of hazardous stuff, and that includes mold, asbestos, lead, biohazards, all kinds of stuff. So this is an icon in the little town of Creston. It's a grain elevator, and somebody bought that thing, and they wanted to see what it would be like to turn it into a tourist attraction. The thing was, there was all kinds of grain that was still stored from 20 years ago. Rain had been pouring on it. Rats and rodents had been feeding on it. Birds were feeding it, breakfast, lunch, and supper. It was a buffet in there. The rain was there. And and the concern is, with rodents, you got hantavirus, which you can die from, and from birds, or avian, it's histoplasmosis. And so, in order to make this thing safe, the whole thing had to be cleaned out. And I've never been in an elevator before, they have 30 compartments in there, and so what happens is the grain gets dumped to the bottom. There's this elevator thing that goes right to the top, and then at the top, there's this chute, and it drops the grain in whatever one of 30 bins there are. So I had to go in there, and I make a drawing of this thing, and then I give a price to clean it. So I have to see what it is we're, we're dealing with. So did I tell you I'm afraid of heights? This thing is 75 feet high. And right in the middle of it is a ladder that goes straight up. Not a ladder on an angle. It's a ladder that goes straight up. And so I had to go up and take a look at this thing. And the guy that was showing me around, he had owned this thing for years. And he's up and down. And he's like, he's so comfortable in this building. He says, oh, by the way, Doug, at about 40 feet... Um, the ladder's a little detached from the wall. <laughs> I'm a guy. I suck up my guts, <laughs> and I start climbing this thing. Well, I hit forty feet, and you know what? Yeah, I did. Woo! And I've locked my ar- and this ele- like this this ladder. There's not like there's no safety cages. There's no harness that I'm in and I'm not doing well. Just a little after 40 feet, I started getting really dizzy. I locked my arm in there. All of a sudden, I feel a cold sweat come on me. Now, a little background to this is nine months ago, I lost my wife to cancer. And I'm up on that elevator thinking, I can't die. I can't leave my kids all alone. And fear started coming in on me. And my heart, it felt like it was this beating drum that everybody in Creston could hear. I was sure of it. And then I'm a guy. And I'm looking, and i got to take pictures, and I, gotta, I, I can't do it. I can't make it to the top. And so I finally, I, I made my way down so carefully. I have never been struck by such terror, such panic in my life. I don't like roller coasters either, but I took my kids to a roller coaster park a few years before that. And I likened my experience. I don't know if... You know that click when you're in the seat of the roller coaster and the guy comes along and puts that bar down? It makes a click sound. There's no turning back. You are strapped in for the ride. And it starts going up this hill and you're thinking, oh, no. I am so out of control, I can't get off this thing, I have no more say in this, and that is exactly how I felt in my life. There were so many things coming on me, I was completely out of control, and it terrified me, and I thought I was going to die, I thought I was going to, like, my world started crashing in on me. In the midst of this, do you know one of the verses that I claimed is this very verse we read? Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. My, uh, a little bit of my mantra in this journey in, in grief is feel, deal, heal. So as a guy, guys, I'm going to talk about feelings. You got to be able to identify what it is you're feeling, right? In order to be able to deal with it and then heal and my definition of healing, the ultimate thing, is to be accepting and accepting of my new normal. I have a new normal in life, so I have to become accepting of that. What are the things that I'm feeling so that I can deal with it and, and move towards healing in this? If we suppress our feelings, it's not healthy for us, and they actually we have to deal with them sometime. For some of us older Christians, I don't, I don't know if some of you remember the uh, four spiritual laws... They had the train with the engine, the passenger, and the caboose. And what was the caboose? Feelings! And so it was always said, do not depend on feelings. And that's true because feelings are up and down, aren't they? And we can't live our life on feelings. But I have discovered through this journey that feelings actually have something to say to you and me. They're identifying stuff that's going on inside. And we need to listen to what it's saying so that we can apply... The promises of God because that's at the core of are. what is your them what is your them Superman had his kryptonite Israelites had a bunch of armies he needed to face Joshua had to lead the people I told you some of my fears there's more what is your them what's the one thing that can drop you to your knees that can suck the wind right out of you, that puts a knot in your stomach. <laughs> What's that thing that can get you discouraged? Naming your them allows you to deal with it, right? Raisins out of Jesus. I was gonna call the message that. I'd... Raisins out of an Jesus. What coping methods? Do you and I have when when these things strike our lives um, I have so much good to say about the hospice in our city um, great group of people i so what I did is we we had um, counseling offered before, so I went, and my boys went we went to it's called anticipatory grief, when you know somebody's going to die, so you, what does that look like? So we went for counseling for that, and then there's counseling afterwards. And uh, in some of the—I went to a couple of different grief groups. We have a beautiful one here at the church that offers—hospice also offered one. So I went to that one, and some—I don't know why it is, but i was sometimes the only guy in a group. Maybe it's something to do with feelings and guys, I don't know. So we're in this group, and the leader of the group— uh, would often begin with a meditation, and this one particular day, she was so excited, she brought out a box of raisins and gave everybody in the group a raisin, and she says, okay, we're going to meditate on this raisin, and so for 10 minutes, she let us as a group, hold the raisin in your hand, Look at how the light reflects off the valleys and the peaks of your raisin. Roll it in your fingers and feel the bumps. Put it to your nose and smell the grapevine from which it came. I'm doing everything but meditating on my raisin. <laughs> and I look at one person, a lady cross, and we just both kind of roll our eyes. One guy pops it in his mouth, done. (laughs) That was supposed to be the last thing we do. You know what the point of this was? To shift your mind from thinking on your grief and your pain and your discouragement and everything you're going to and put your mind on something else. And I thought, oh, God. What if we as your church would take one promise and meditate on it for 10 minutes and just look at every aspect of what it is you are saying to us? Let that be our coping mechanism. Amen? My doctor has been very gracious to me too. When I told him about my elevator experience, he said, Doug, you're not going to die. Um, it's not a heart attack. Um, said, you were having a panic attack. That's what that was. I never had one before. It is scary. Anybody that's had them, you think you're going to die. Serious. So he gave me Ativan. He said, Doug, this will help you, but it's not a cure. You're going to have to deal with what's going on at the core. (laughs) Raisins and Ativan. Deuteronomy 31. Imagine us talking about that this morning. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified because of them. Do You know, over the years, this, this, this last uh, New Year's, what I decided to do is, over the, over the years, I have in my Bible, which is so precious to me, I've marked it up. I've, st- I've underlined things. And you know what I have done? I have written the word claimed. When there's a promise and it speaks to my heart, I underline that thing and I write claimed and then I write the date that I claimed it and it is a stake in the ground for me. And this, this last New Year's, what I did is I, looked through, I read through my whole Bible and I recorded every one of these promises that I have claimed and what was going on at the time and I wrote them out for my kids. I have got 89 promises that I have claimed that I have put a date to. and i've got 12 pages of notes for my kids to read what was going on in my life and why this verse is so important because i'm putting my foot down and i'm saying god your promise is for me and you're going to get me through you know what the promise a promise is based on two things it's based on the character and the track record of the person giving it right what's the character of god he makes us a promise You and I need to claim the promises of God. What if we were to get our Bibles a little dirty? Get some colored ink going in there. What if we were a little more bold and just started writing claimed in our Bible? I want to challenge one idea because I I struggle with it every once in a while and maybe you do too. When we read a promise from the Word of God, sometimes we... I know we know that God makes promises and He's good for it. But every once in a while when you and I read a verse, we think, that's really good, but that's for other people. My case is just a little bit unique. And you know what? i got special circumstances going on in my life. And I don't know if this one's going to work for me. Am I touching anybody? The other thing that we might, there's a bit of fear even in claiming the promises of God because what if I claim it? What if I write it in my Bible, but God doesn't come through how I think? I want to say, to people, let's mark up our Bibles. Let's start claiming the promises of God. I, was, uh, I ride motorcycle a couple weeks ago. I, I went to Armstrong. It's a good destination to go in on Saturday. The Brown Derby is a restaurant. They have a two ninety nine breakfast, two eggs, two sausage, hash browns, toast with homemade jam. Can't beat it. They're not open Sundays, so don't go there. So I'm there on my motorcycle, and, and uh, this other guy shows up. Oh, I got a picture. Wow. So this other guy shows up. His name is Claude, a French-Canadian, and he rides a boulevard. And uh, so he and I start talking a little bit, and he had just bought his bike, put a brand-new back tire on the back, and he said, yeah, I took it out to Nacuspa while just to, last week, And he was riding, he he met up with another guy and said, do you mind if I follow you? And the guy said, no, no problem if you can keep up. 120 clicks to the cusp. So Claude says to me, he says, I went and talked to that guy and said, you better slow down or you're going to have a short career. And then he, but then he said something to me. He said, Doug, I... Then I went out and I tested my tire because it's a brand new tire. And if you, this is one of the fattest tires I've ever seen. And if you take a profile of motorcycle tires, they're kind of like a hat. They go like this, sort of. And that little ridge, that's kind of the outer limit of how far you want to lean your bike over. Well, Claude showed me his tire. He said, I needed to test this thing. And sure enough, he was rubbing rubber off of the side of that tire he was taking it through corners incredibly fast and he said to me doug i had to see what this thing would do in case i came upon an obstacle in the road or i had to make a sharp corner do you hear what he's saying to us he was testing the limits he had to know that his tire would hold in the corners He had to know that his tire was going to be there for him if an obstacle appeared in the middle of the road. And I thought, oh God, does Claude have more faith in his rear tire than I do in the Word of God? We have the promises of God, and we need to claim them. Amen. We walk as people of hope. I gotta close here soon. I got carried away a little bit. Okay, um, the, preach it. Preach. Oh, preach. All right. Okay, <laughs> we walk as people of hope, don't we? So I got two boys. My oldest lives in Edmonton. He's 26. He's going through a divorce. My youngest has been living with me for years. He just got married, and I was able to perform the wedding ceremony. And then I'm a widower. So we got a divorce, newly married widower as my family, and for the wedding, we're all together, and us boys talked about feelings. How are you doing? What are you feeling? Well, Caleb, through this journey after, after he lost his mom, I mean, I'm on the phone a lot with him. So uh, uh, one of the times, Dad, he wouldn't believe what happened. My hot water tank blew. It flooded my basement. <sighs> He's going through a divorce. He doesn't have a very high-paying job. Pops helps out, right? Buy a new hot water tank. Then he phones me. We're we're talking a couple weeks later. Well, now the cast iron sanitary pipe that comes down, it's a 100-year-old house. It is paper thin. He doesn't want this breaking because he's got to sell the house. So, got to replace that. Two weeks later, Dad, you wouldn't believe what happened. Somebody broke into my garage and stole all my tools. Then two weeks later or so, (laughs) talking to my son, Dad... You wouldn't believe what happened. I got a bill from the city for $2,000. They want to upgrade my sidewalk so I have a prettier sidewalk out front. So do you know that it got to the point, now I did take phone calls from my son, but it was like, (laughs) do I want to take a call from my son because what is going to be happening next in his life? I phoned him just this week and said, Caleb, is it okay if I talk about you a little bit? Do you know that I cannot buy the faith that my two boys have? That is a gift from God. They are walking with God strong. I'm so proud of them. And so Caleb gave me permission to talk about it. But he said, you know what? You can add one more thing to it because huh, it was raining and now there's a crack in his foundation and water is flooding in through his foundation. So, we live as people of hope, and there was coming over me this impending sense of doom. I don't want to talk to my son. I don't want to hear the next bad thing that's going to happen. People, we cannot give in to this impending sense of doom. We cannot live with a sense, what's the next bad thing that's going to happen? We have the promises of God, amen? On the phone, I am with my son, and I said, I am claiming these promises for you and for me. This is enough. And we talk about the promises of God and we claim them. People, we are a church of hope. We have the promises of God and they apply to every situation in life. The final thing that Joshua did is he, he used his experiences to encourage the people around him. I want us to read in conclusion here Something about the promises. This is what the Word of God says about the promises that God makes. Okay, so God makes the promises, and then He says, You can really trust what I'm saying. Okay, let's read these together. Um, Joshua 23. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled, not one has failed. 2 Corinthians 1. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Psalm 119. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this. Your promise preserves my life. And Romans 4 being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he has promised. God is calling you and me to be strong. It is a command that he gives us. It is not optional. That command comes with the promise of his presence. He's going before you, and he is with you no matter what you are facing. And you know, people, there's this small day-to-day stuff that we trust God on, and there's that bigger stuff that we have to trust Him on. And as people of faith in a community that needs God, He's calling us to step out and trust Him and be bold because there are many people that need to hear the hope that you and I have. Amen? Maybe today is the day that you're going to put your foot down and say, no more of this pit of despair. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to step out and Claim his promises. I'm going to mark up my Bible as of this day. And I'm going to keep going with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn it back over to worship team. Worship team. And uh, you know what? If you want, if you want prayer afterwards, um, there will be people who will pray with you. If you just want some time with the Lord up here, go for it. And just have, have that moment. That's such a special moment with the Lord. Just on your knees before him. But uh, let's praise the Lord together.